0: Lord, open my lips that my mouth may proclaim your praise. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Some of you might remember from your Greek mythology classes. Um, or uh, remember just reading it through, the legend of uh, Daedalus and Icarus. Daedalus was an amazing sculptor. Um, so gifted was he that sculptures seemed to literally uh, come to life um, when he had sculpted them. And so Minos, king of Crete, had called him to come and uh, make some statues for him, and he'd come with his son um, Icarus. Uh, but Minos didn't allow him to then leave Crete, and so in order to escape, Daedalus uh, designed these wings with which to fly off of the island. And he gathered birds' feathers and then attached them to his and his son Icarus' his shoulders and arms with wax. And so they set off for mainland Greece. And as they're going, Icarus is just amazed at his amazing ability that he now had. And in his pride, he thought, well, I'm going to go to the sun. I don't need to go to Greece. And so even though his father said, don't do that, he started to fly up towards the sun. And of course, we know what happens. The sun melted the wax and Icarus fell into the water and drowned and the moral of the story that's come down to us is don't fly too high or you might come to a bad end or in the words of Proverbs in the Bible pride comes before a fall that's been the problem with the church in Corinth they've been puffed up and so we're now at the end this is the last of our readings from Corinthians uh, that we have, we've been kind of going through uh, the, the letters, um, what we know as 2nd Corinthians is actually the 4th letter that Paul wrote to the church in Corinth what we have as 1st Corinthians and we see within the text that he'd written a previous letter so actually our 1st Corinthians is his 2nd letter to the church at Corinth so there's a rather lengthy correspondence that Paul has to have with this church it's the the community that he needs to most take to task and he doesn't like to do it but he has to discipline them over and over again why Uh, because they've become prideful he says in one place you're boasting is not good. And so that's why if you picked up the word boast or boasting was mentioned several times throughout this reading that we had this morning. Corinth is um, a port city and uh, there was a lot of sexual immorality going on, there was a lot of pagan worship, idolatry going on, there was a huge class difference there were very wealthy people and very poor people and a lot of classism going on in the structures of the society and this uh, small Christian community was growing up and trying Trying to hold the faith in the midst of a culture around them that was pulling at them to go back into the ways of the culture. And indeed, um, we read in 1 Corinthians that this had created divisions within the church. Uh, we, We hear that people from Chloe's household had gone to Paul to say, these are the things that are happening. So Chloe's household, well, of course, back then, they didn't worship in church buildings like we do. They gathered in home churches. So evidently, this is a community of Christians who are gathered together in Chloe's house. It's a a a house church in Chloe's house. And so people have gone out from Chloe's, Chloe's people uh, to go to Paul to say about what's happening within that local community. And one of the things that's been happening is, is that people are divided up. Um, as to who they're following as far as which teacher they prefer. Now, all of the teachers are teaching a good gospel, a truthful gospel, um, a, a true message, so it's not that they're choosing one message over another. No, they're choosing who is more has more star power than the other. So we know that Apollos was a silver-tongued preacher, and he was a very capable preacher. So some are saying, well, you know, we're, we're in Apollos' camp, not because of what he was preaching, because he was a glittering image to them. And then others are saying, well, we're following Cephas or Peter, because, of course, he's one of the disciples he was one of the original 12 and then others are saying well we're following Paul and Paul has to say is Christ divided no um, the foundation of all of our worship is the cross of Christ, which is foolishness to some. Um, and then also what had happened is that um, they had evidently received the gifts of the Holy Spirit, like the, um, the um, apostles had, the disciples had in the upper room at Pentecost. And so some were speaking in tongues. But instead of building up the body, which Paul then has to tell them that's why you're given uh, tongues to speak in, uh, tongues are the gift of tongues of the Holy Spirit, um, they'd been using those in worship to puff themselves up. So we hear um of this incredible mess that's going on in their worship services. Now you all probably know me, I kind of like things on time and things in order and and, and reading through this it's like oh uh, it's sending chills down my spine as to what's going on. You know, so one person's coming up, Oh, I like this hymn and another person's coming up, oh, I like this hymn and so they're coming into the service and they're both trying to outsing the other person with their hymns as a cafe Going on, And then others are speaking in tongues. And who can speak in tongues better? And so one's speaking in tongues over here and another one's speaking in tongues over there. And then they're bringing in the bread uh, for the sacred meal. But instead of holding back, the people who are wealthy, who've been able to bring in the bread and the provision for the holy, for the sacred meal, they're just going ahead and getting drunk and drinking the wine and eating the bread. And I mean, have you got the vision of it? It's just just a mess out there. And so Paul says, you're not doing it according to order. This is the Lord's Supper. If you need to eat, eat at home and then come and receive the sacrament, receive the body and blood of our Lord in the bread and the wine. And so there's all of this going on. And then not only that, um, there's a huge amount of sexual immorality that's now come within the Christian community. And so he has to write very strongly to them about that. And then they're eating things and People um, new to the faith are are saying well you're eating food by the idols uh, given to the idols does that mean that you're actually honoring the idols instead of God and they're puffing themselves up and we're going well we're really you know our faith is fantastic and it's really solid and so you know we don't have to worry about that and so you know there are all of these things that are going on and so Paul has to write this really strict letter to them and what's happened is that actually some Some of them have taken it to heart and they're changing their ways and they've been convicted about their poor behavior and and they've become more humble, but some have not. And he quotes back to them something that apparently has been said about him. His letters are weighty and strong, but his bodily presence is weak and his speech is contemptible. Um, You know, as a preacher, that's probably not what you want to hear. But he's going, so, so this is what you're saying about me. So now, again, there's still division because some of them have come around and realizing the error of their ways and others are still going, well, you know, no, we, we know what we're supposed to do. And we, we, you know, we've been given these spiritual gifts and we're, we're okay. We're really strong in the faith. But now to make matters worse, what's happened is now false apostles have come into their midst. And the false apostles are presenting themselves as super apostles. And they're puffing themselves up. And so now they're puffing up the Corinthians once again. And so there are all of these things going on. He says these are the ones who boast in outward appearance only and not in the heart. They've disguised themselves, he says, as apostles of Christ. And then he goes on to say, yeah, but Lucifer himself uh, disguised himself as, a, as an angel of light and is not, was darkness. So, you know, don't listen to them because his whole ministry has been modeled on Christ's way of being in humility and gentleness, in the humility and meekness and gentleness of Christ. We see that, don't we, in the gospel. Uh, Jesus goes and is preaching with such wisdom that they're astonished at this wisdom, but then they turn to each other. You know, we're, we're, we're the religious leaders. Who does he think he is? He's the odd job man, for heaven's sake. He's a carpenter, and they take offense at him. And because of that, he can do no great deeds in the midst of that. So Paul has followed along, taking Jesus as his model for ministry, preaching the truth of the good news, unwavering in the spite of conflict and persecution and suffering, but with great humility. And so now, what does he have to do? He has to, he has to tell them why he has the authority to speak discipline into their lives, because they're saying, well, the super apostles are really the ones that we should be listening to you, because you're contemptible in speech, and you have no physicality to allure us to you whatsoever. And so that's why we hear over and over again in uh, 2 Corinthians this this word about boasting or conceit and all of of these terms. In chapter 11, uh, Paul had parodied um, the social preening of these super apostles and has told them about actually his social standing, but his standing in suffering, in beatings, in, um, in shipwrecks, in all of those things. So right now we come to chapter twelve, very close to the end of corinthians and um, and and now he's addressing the spiritual pride in these people in these super apostles and now that has come into the community of Christians in Corinth also it's called hubris it's the spiritual pride puffing oneself up because because people feel that they are more elevated, more deeper in the faith, uh, better Christians uh, than other people are. And so he starts this off with saying, um, um, I know someone, and I I boast of that person, because 14 years ago they were taken up um, into paradise they actually saw and heard things that cannot be spoken if i were to boast i boast in that person and it's not until later on that we actually realize that he's the one that they happened to he's had this amazing spiritual experience but he's never boasted about it before but he's saying they're boasting about spiritual gifts about their spiritual experiences if i were to boast it wouldn't be folly because it would be true but i'm not going to boast That's a a sin that infects us. Of course, what was the original sin in the garden? But pride. Pride was, was the sin of Adam and Eve as the serpent came to them and said, if you eat this, you will be like God. You will know the difference between good and evil. And so they ate wanting to be like God. They were not willing to be children of God, God's subjects. They wanted to be equal to. Pride came in. It's the first sin. And this spiritual pride can so easily infect the church. In fact, preachers, scholars, academics, have to be very wary of that sin of spiritual pride and I'm speaking personally you have to counteract that anybody in leadership within the church has to have knowledge that this is an easy temptation to fall into but we are all equally brothers and sisters in Christ there is to be no spiritual pride in the body of Christ denominations can get prideful Churches can get prideful, especially if, like the church in Corinth, they had received blessings from the Lord. It's one thing to receive blessings from the Lord and to rejoice in those blessings. It's another one to puff themselves up and say, well, we're better than that community over there. In fact, Paul is writing this second letter from the community in Macedonia, which is the Philippian church. If you remember, the Philippian church was founded when he converted Lydia (coughs) and then the slave girl. And uh, and the jailer. And so this is a community, as I said last week, that had nothing physically and yet had given um, beautifully to the collection that Paul was taking up for the church in Jerusalem above and beyond their actual means. And yet they were impoverished physically and yet very deep spiritually because this is the way they responded. Um, in comparison to Corinth, who had received these external gifts and had then thought, well, we we must be, if God's blessing us in this way, we must be so much better than X, Y, and Z. God does not honor that kind of spiritual pride. And so what is the antidote to this? Well, Paul says, he goes on to say, you know, this was my spiritual experience. I was taken up into paradise. I saw things that actually could not be spoken of again. And then I received a thorn in my flesh. And you can just imagine the Corinthians reading this. Okay, and he says, and I've prayed to God to have it removed. And they're going, okay, so the next thing is going to be, because he's a godly man, that thorn in the flesh is going to have been removed. And he said, no, it wasn't. That thorn in the flesh was to be a reminder to me that when I am weak, he is strong. That pride comes before a fall. But when we empty ourselves and when we are completely weak, then God's power is so strong Within us is a story of a uh, singer, a Christian singer, going into uh, Russia in a time when Christians were very much persecuted there. Um, in fact, they were not allowed to have jobs. Um, they found themselves impoverished, and he went to this small church to do a concert full of impoverished believers who were obviously suffering for their faith. That was in the time when it was the Soviet Union. They lived on incomes below the poverty level, says, paying a high price in suffering for their faith. But the singer, his name was Scott Brown, reported that even the concrete floor of the poor little church was worn out. And after he sang, a little woman came up to him and thanked him for his sharing. And then after finding out that he was from the West, said it must be hard to be a Christian there, and then walked away. Well, Brown didn't understand what she had meant. How could this woman living in an atheistic nation who suffered every day for her faith comment that it would be uh, hard to be a believer in the West? The land place of religious freedom where things were so easy for Christians. And on the way home from the concert, he told his interpreter what had happened and asked what the woman had meant. And the interpreter said, she knows that in the West, you're blessed with wealth. You have fast food, restaurants, stylish clothes, luxurious cars and homes, so many things. But here, all these people have is their faith in Jesus She knows that it is harder for people who have it easy to put their faith in God. They put their faith instead in things. This is why she felt it must be hard to be a Christian in the West. See, pride, especially spiritual pride, is one of those things that comes easily to us. We have pride in the externals. We have pride in our abilities Uh, in our academic and our faculties to understand things. We have pride in the way we can earn money. We have pride in the externals of the things that we have. And sometimes we can even have spiritual pride. But the antidote is to know that when we empty ourselves of all that, when we're truly weak, then God's power is incredibly strong within us. When we are weak, then He is strong. So Paul says, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities for the sake of Christ. For whenever I am weak, then I am strong. May we be a people like Christ who are weak in ourselves so that we can be strong in the power of the Lord. Amen.